0: Another edition of the Employment Hour, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 821 5900 the number anytime to get a hold of your member of the team as well. It is help at employmenthour.com. Lots of, get through, uh, lots of stuff to get through rather today on the show, but first we always start with the week that was. How are you, pal?
1: Well, doing great, John, and uh, great to be back here and to talk about workplace rights and employment law and, uh, you know, all those uh, things that affect us, that uh, things that come up sometimes unexpectedly, sometimes, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want them to come up. But you know what? If they do come up, we need to know how to address them. If there's a problem, if our boss did something or said something, or maybe they put us in an uncomfortable situation and we want to know how to respond and what our rights are. Well, this is what we talk about the employment at the Employment Hour all the time. And, of course, uh, tune in to us, but you can also give me a call or email me at the office to talk privately. We're going to give you my contact information throughout the show, so stay tuned for that and uh you know don't don't be afraid mm-hmm. i I just really it's all, all the message, hopefully by now you 've been listening to us for a while. you know i'm not a bad guy uh, i don 't yell at people i don't uh, berate people. I just want to help, so any prompts, you give me a shout and uh, the week there was a couple of situations that came across my desk really over the past few days. First situation involved uh, a gentleman who I spoke with uh, he had uh, he had been let go, but what happened with him? For about 15 years, he had a, a nice, steady, full-time uh, job. Everything was going quite well, no problems. But about a year ago, the company said, we need you to go down to part-time. Now, this was a very difficult decision for him. He didn't really want to, but he decided to do it. He figured that it's still better to work part-time uh, than not to, uh, not to have a job. He thought it would be very difficult to find another position. And he also hoped that at some point, the company would be doing better and they'll bump him back up to full-time. So a year ago, he went down to part-time. Right Now, fast forward a year, just very recently, company decides they're not doing better, and they let him go. And when they let him go, they, they pay him severance. But they pay him severance based on what he was making on part-time. And he's upset at that. He says, wait a second, I've worked for 15 years full-time, only about a year part-time. You're going to calculate my severance on the basis of my part-time hours? That doesn't make sense. So he calls me. And he wanted to know, can the company do that? Can the company calculate his severance on the basis of his part-time hours? Well, unfortunately, John, uh, and, and our regular listeners may already uh, understand this, unfortunately, the company was right. The mm. company is, was allowed to cal- uh, calculate his severance based on his part-time hours. What it matters really is what you're earning at the time the company is letting you go. So he was earning about $60,000 for 15 years or so. Recently, he went down to $30,000, but that's what he was making at the time of termination. So the company, when they let him go, they had to calculate his severance on the basis of $30,000. Now, again, even though he only did that for a year out of 16 years total. And then the reason why I wanted to bring this up here is I want our listeners to understand that accepting a reduction in your compensation could have long-term effects. In this case, it meant that when he got severance, essentially he got half the severance because his salary was half of what it was before. So there's a number of reasons. That's just one of them. To be very, very careful with the pay reduction, to be careful not to accept it. I would have told him if I spoke to him a year ago, no, tell him no, and if they do it anyway, treat that as a constructive dismissal. Get your full severance now and move on. Yeah. So I want our listeners to understand that a change in pay, change in the terms of employment could be problematic. It could cost you a lot of money, John, in future severance.
0: one 821 5900 Write that number down. Keep it. Email as well. Help at employmenthour.com. And if you haven't used it yet, severancepaycalculator.com as well. We'll get that in, uh, in more detail. What else you got going on?
1: I spoke with a young lady that uh, called me, and uh, you know it's one of those don't mess with mama situations uh-huh. where we really shouldn't be repeating this, but gosh, John if people our employers keep doing the wrong thing, I'm gonna keep talking about it uh, in this situation uh, she's just started a job a uh, brand new job, and shortly after uh, she started, she found out she was pregnant and she told decided to tell her employer right away to be honest, even though she wasn't even three months pregnant yet what well, what happened is uh, company said, okay, that's fine. And about six weeks later, they let her go. And when they let her go, they said, well, you were, you were on probation. You know, Here's your employment agreement that says you're on a three-month probation, and we just don't feel that it's working out, so we are letting you go. The thing is, John, that over the time that she was there, she had nothing but good feedback. She had no issues, uh, and, and she actually never had a formal performance review. So she thought, and I think she was right to think that, that this had nothing to do with with her performance or being on probation, and it had everything to do with the fact that she was pregnant. Uh What happened here is I think the company tried to use the whole probation as an excuse to let go of a pregnant employee, and that's something a company cannot do. They can't circumvent human rights laws. They they can't go around the human rights code by saying, well, the person was on probation. You know, If it looks like you let someone go because they're pregnant or because they're going to take a maternity leave, That is illegal. That's not something you can do, and you can't hide behind this probation. So in this situation, I agree with her that this doesn't smell right, so I'm going to help her investigate this further and get the compensation that she's owed because probation doesn't allow a company to let go of a pregnant employee.
0: So like you said, there's going to be uh, severance offerings there and there's going to be human rights damages to go along with it. So it was a big misstep, right?
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, the human rights really is, is the big thing here. You cannot do that. And the Human Rights Court and the Human Rights Tribunal and our courts do come down very hard on employers that violate an employee's rights that way. So this case it's not just an issue of severance it's also human rights damages that she would be owed.
0: Before we take our first break here, I mentioned it, give me some details on the severance pay calculator, the tool that over half or close to half a million people have now used, right?
1: Yes, you know, I should I should take a look at the numbers, but yeah. it's it's got to be up there right around half a million people getting very close to it. So, you know, if you think wait, wait a second, half a million people have used this thing, how come I don't know about it? Well, let me tell you about it. severancepaycalculator.com again severancepaycalculator.com website that i created uh, close to five years ago got four and a half or so years ago now uh, that allows anyone to find out in seconds how much severance they are owed whether you've been let go or are concerned about being let go or are just curious and want to know what would happen if i was let go you go to severancepaycalculator.com answer three questions takes you seconds and you're done you find out how much you are owed the real number Not the silly one week per year Mm. or two week per year. That's silly. That's wrong. That's not what the law provides for you. The real number, you can find out. You can always call me to get this information or uh, call any employment lawyer, frankly. But to to get that information, you know, whenever in the privacy of your own home or at midnight or whenever you want, just go to severancepaycalculator.com.
0: And the number, we'll take a short break, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com is the email, and to reiterate one more time, severancepaycalculator.com as well. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming right up, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. The number is 1-855-821-5900, and it is help at employmenthour.com. You'll want to send an email along, we'll get to some of those a little Later on in the show, but the topic uh, we wanted to talk about today, Lior, is uh, so what is actually included in severance and how it's calculated? Get phone calls about this all the time. You know, we talk about age, uh, length of employment, position, again referring to the severance pay calculator. But are there other factors that go into determining how much severance an employee should get? And what are they?
1: Yeah, so, you know, the, the main factors, John, that go into deciding how much severance, the main factors are your age, your position, and the length of your employment. So that the longer you work, the older you are and the more senior a position you have, the more severance is owed to you. So those are the three factors without which, without those, I actually cannot, it's impossible to assess how much severance someone is owed. That said, they're not the only factors. They're the main ones, but they're not the only factors. There's other factors and other things that go going into assessing how much severance someone is owed. Essentially... Anything that goes to the question of how long will it take you to find another job is fair game. Anything that goes to that question is something that can and will be considered. For example, if you have a medical condition. So if you're sick and, and, and you have a medical condition and because of that, it's going to be harder for you to find a job than if you were completely healthy, well, that's a consideration. That may mean you get more severance. Uh, Another example may be if you're working in a particular industry, let's say that industry doesn't have a lot of jobs, it's a very small industry, difficult to find positions in that industry, that means, again, you may get more severance. On the other hand, if it's an industry with a ton of jobs, everyone's hiring, everyone's desperate to find good people, and that's the the industry you're looking for work in, well, that may mean you get less severance because we're expecting it's not going to be that hard or that bad to find another job. So really, anything and everything that has to do or or that goes to the issue of how long it's going to take you to find another job is fair game. There's other factors as well, such Mm -hmm. as where you recruited from another company. So all of that is just a long way of saying you can't always assume that it's a simple uh, exercise. Now, the severance calculator is amazing. It's terrific, but it's limited to what it does, which is assessing those factors That's I always say when you go to a severance calculator, it's you go there to find out kind of to get an initial overview of what you're actually owed, but to to actually really drill down and find out the actual amount specifically for you, you have to give me a call. We have to assess all the factors and determine whether what the company's offered you is appropriate, how much that number should actually be, and then how you go about re- resolving it.
0: Yeah, so you talking about uh, those three factors. So an employee may have, for instance, uh, salary, bonus, benefits, car allowance. If they lose their job, what happens to all those components?
1: Well, we all know, of course, that your severance is going to include your, your salary. Yeah. But again, your salary is not the only component of your compensation. You may have, like I said, car allowance and bonus and benefits, well, the law says all of those things have to be included as part of the severance. So when you are let go, not only do you get, let's say, let's say eighteen months is the appropriate number of months of severance you have to get. It's not just eighteen months of salary. It's eighteen months of compensation. So eighteen months of salary and bonus and benefits and car, etc., etc., etc. The idea is very simple. If you would have received it had you continued working, you have to get it as part of your severance. And I can't tell you, John, how often I look at severance offers that are completely inadequate because the company does not include everything they're supposed to include in it. They say, okay, here's your salary, but what about everything else? And if you don't get everything else, that severance offer is inadequate, and that's a wrongful dismissal.
0: One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, the number anytime and help at employmenthour.com. Uh, how about this one though? What if a person's hours of work uh, and maybe their compensation, for that matter, may vary week to week, month to month? How is severance calculated then?
1: Yeah, not everyone gets a steady fixed salary. Some people have hourly rates, and some people's compensation and hours fluctuates from day to day, week to week, month to month. So the question is, if I don't necessarily make a fixed amount, how is my severance calculated? Well, your severance is calculated simply in that situation by looking at an average. Depending on how long you've worked, it could be, you know, if you worked for a few months, it could be an average for that period of time. If you work for a few years, it could be a two- or three-year average. So we would simply look at an average because what we're trying to do is we're trying to determine what you would have earned if you'd stayed on because we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know for sure what you would have earned. We have to go by way of an average. So if your salary gets or your compensation fluctuates, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, we would look at an average and that average is going to be used in calculating two, six, 12, whatever it is, the number of months of severance that you owed Always look at an average.
0: And I guess this is key with salespeople, as you said, right? So, uh,
1: Absolutely. Salespeople, oftentimes, they get commissions. Yeah. So you may have zero salary and it's 100% commission, or you may get some salary and some commission. Compensation varies. So what do we do? Well, we look at an average. And if you usually make, uh, I don't know, $7,000 a month, uh, some months it's more, sometimes it's less, but that's the average. Well, then we're going to use $7,000 nice. a month to calculate the number of months of severance. Uh and, and the company can't simply say, Well, we'll look at the just the salary or we'll pick the lowest month. Doesn't work that way. Mm. You have to do an average.
0: We'll uh, take a short pause. 1-855-821-5900 is your number anytime. Help at employmenthour.com to reach out through email. Get a hold of your member of his team. It's very simple. Lots more. Employment Hour is on the way. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. The number, one It is help at employmenthour.com. If you haven't tried it yet, just even for uh, interest sake, find out what you would be owed if it came down that you were let go. Severancepaycalculator.com as well. Wonderful tool. Takes about uh, fifteen. seconds seconds to go through the metric. And at the bottom, you'll get a number. You also have a green button to contact Lior if you wish. If not, you just uh, walk away anonymous, having the knowledge uh, in your head. We're talking about what is actually included in severance and how it's calculated. Um, If an employee used to be full-time and then sometime during their tenure, they went down to part-time, what is severance going to be based on? Because a lot of them are going to think, I don't get any now because I'm part-time.
1: Yeah, so that, right. that is that is you're absolutely right. The misconception, John. Yeah. A lot of people think part-time people don't get severance. Right. Nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. Employees get severance whether full-time, part-time, minimum wage, lots of money doesn't matter. Right. If you're an employee, you get severance if you lost your job. Now, the severance in that situation, if your position has changed, as I said at the top of the show, is calculated based on what you were earning at the time you were let go. So, if you're now part-time but you used to be full-time, it's calculated on your part-time hours. Maybe you were part-time for years and years and years, and you were just now bumped into full-time and then let go. Well, then that's good. Then the company has to pay you your severance based on your full-time hours. So yes, full-time, part-time, whether you're a student working part-time at a restaurant or an executive working at a major corporation, you get severance. Now, the amount of severance, of course, is going to vary based on, on, on the factors that we talked about but everyone gets severance everyone gets some form of compensation or notice if they lose their job
0: you know in the last segment before the break we talked uh, about uh, people in a sales role and uh, you know your your compensation based on an average of your commissions over length of time what happens if it's commissions that were coming up and they were guaranteed those commissions or they were on the horizon and they got let go before they ended up in their wallet
1: yeah no and, and that happens often and you know i was just about to get a commission payment yeah. uh, what what gives what happens Well, generally speaking, if you've in fact did what you're supposed to do to get that commission, you've done your part to earn the commission, even if the money hasn't yet gotten paid uh, to the company, they have to pay you that commission. Now, you may get it only when the company gets the money. You may not get it necessarily immediately. But if you've earned the commission, if you've done whatever your part of the deal was, uh, you've completed that, there's nothing else for you to do to earn the commission then the company has to pay that commission. It's considered something that you've earned. It's a question at that point of timing. But the company can't say, oh, well, the commission is not paid for another month, uh, even though you finished uh, your part on it. We're letting you go today, so we're not going to pay you that commission. It doesn't work that way. If you've earned it, they have to pay it, uh, and anything less than that is wrong. It's illegal, Uh, And that means that uh, you you absolutely have recourse.
0: You know, you talked about uh, all components of your compensation in that regard, being salary and bonus, benefits, car allowance, et cetera, et cetera. What if the bonus is, uh, say, discretionary? Does the employer still have to pay it as part of the severance?
1: Yeah, I I love this word discretionary. Uh, a, A lot of people assume that just because we call something discretionary, it makes it discretionary. So if a bonus truly, truly is discretionary, then it doesn't have to be paid. But most bonuses, I find, are not discretionary, even though someone may say that they are. So let me give you an example. If I sign a document that says, uh, I'm going to get a bonus, but it's discretionary. But you know what, John? Every year, I get a bonus. Every year, I can count on that bonus. Uh, You know, Depending on how the company does, sometimes it's a bit more, sometimes it's a bit less. But I get a bonus every year. I count on that as part of my compensation. Well, in that situation, John, that bonus is not discretionary. That bonus is my compensation and I, the company has to include it as part of the severance. On the other hand, if a bonus is completely random, sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't, I have no idea if I will, it really the company decides and from year to year I have no clue if I'm going to get any bonus, well, in that situation, arguably the bonus is discretionary, which means the company does not have to pay it as part of the severance. But if you regularly get a bonus, doesn't matter if the company says it's discretionary. If you regularly get get the bonus, that bonus almost always would have to be included as part of your severance. And the way we would do that is we'd simply prorate it and look at an average. So if on average you make, I don't know, $10,000 a year as a bonus, that's the average, and you're entitled to 6 months severance, well, then over six months, that's worth $5,000 in that example. So it's a simple mathematical calculation. You owed your bonus as part of your severance in most situations.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be Clark Griswold. You want to put in that pool in the springtime. You get that bonus, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the jelly of the month club is not going to be good enough. You gotta <laughs> you gotta right. get the actual dough. Uh,
0: another quick one before we break. What if an employee usually works a lot of overtime hours? What happens in that case? Yeah, overtime hours, big time.
1: Uh, oftentimes for people, that's a significant part of their compensation. You know, they may get paid you know, a certain amount uh, as their salary, but they work a lot of overtime. They get paid overtime, and that uh, that forms a, a big part. Well, if you're working overtime regularly, that, again, has to be included. Remember, we're going to look at an average of your compensation. So if uh, on average a year you make uh, $60,000 and $20,000 of that, that is overtime, that's still going to be included. We're still going to use that $60,000 as an average uh, and as part of your severance. So bottom line is, yes, does overtime count as part of your severance? It does. Everything that you get, everything you would have expected to get had you stayed on is fair game and does get included in severance.
0: We'll continue that conversation about everything that's included and how it's calculated with your severance. Uh, the number anytime, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the show coming up. It is the Employment Hour, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. one That is the number you need to know and write down. Keep on your phone to get a hold of Lior and the rest of the uh, the firm. Help at employmenthour.com is the email. And to figure out what your severance offer should be, not the week per year, two, period, two weeks per year you're not all that stuff. The real number, severancepaycalculator.com as well. We are talking about components of your severance, what is included, how it's calculated. Stock options are the next one you want to deal with. Not that I have any, but uh, how are people that actually have those? How do you deal with it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, And for some people, the stock options could be worth a ton of money. It could be worth a significant amount. And you want to know that they're dealt properly as part of your severance. So- some of, some of uh, how, uh, how the severance or stock options are going to be dealt with is going to have to do with the stock option agreement, if there is one. Oftentimes, a stock option agreement is going to say, you know, here's what happens to your stock options uh, if, in fact, you're, you're, you leave or are let go. So we may need to look at that. But generally, the rule is, is very simple. The rule is whatever the severance period is, whether it's eight months, 12 months, 18 months, whatever it is, you're considered to be an employee, so, if, so any options that you would have gotten or any option that, that would vest over that period of time are things that you should be getting as part of your severance. So if you had the, the options that would vest, uh, I don't know, 5,000 options that would be vesting in six months, if your severance period is, is six months or more, then yeah, those are should be allowed to right. vest. You get that as part of your severance. So the company generally is not allowed to say, you lose your stock options just because we let you go it doesn't work that way. Again, the question is, what would I have received if I stayed on for the severance period? That's the question.
0: What about other perks uh, that an employee may have uh, had during their employment like, uh, I don't know, apartment or, or professional dues, gym memberships, all that stuff that's sometimes offered? Sure. For
1: some people, those are significant. Let's let's look at as an example as a superintendent. Part of the compensation for a superintendent is the apartment. They usually live rent-free in an apartment. They don't get paid a lot of money, but they get uh, free accommodation. Uh, Some other people may have other uh, perks, like you said, gym membership, uh, uh, professional due memberships, uh, et cetera. Generally speaking, again, those are perks, and they have to be included as part of severance because they're part of your compensation. You may not get a check for that every month, but it is a form of compensation. It's something of value to you that you get and because of that that has to be included as part of the severance. Mm-hmm. So for the superintendent when, when it comes to the apartment, the company has to allow the employee to stay in the apartment for the severance period or give him the dollar equivalent. So if it it costs uh, $800 a month to rent an apartment like that and they don't want him to stay in the apartment, they would have to give them $800 a month times the number of months of severance. Right. So everything has to be included uh, again, gym membership, if your uh, company pays your dues for your professional membership, maybe in an accounting organization or, or what have you, those have to be included as well. Uh, some of them could be valuable, some not, but they do have to be included.
0: One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 the number help at employmenthour.com, talking about what's included with a severance offer when, uh, when it all comes down. The flip side is what things do not get included.
1: So what doesn't get included is anything that has to do with specifically doing the job that you're no longer going to be doing. So, for example, if you uh, if the company uh, gives you a phone, a cell phone to use for work purposes right. and only for work purposes, well, if you're not going to be working, they don't have to give you the phone, yeah. right? Because that's there. If the company pays you for mileage, uh, well, again, they're not going to have to pay you for mileage because you're not working. If they pay your parking at work, and you're not going to be working, so they're not going to have to pay the parking. So anything that's directly tied to you doing the work is not necessarily something that you would be getting when you no longer are working. But if, for example, you have a company vehicle that you can use for whatever you want, you, you use it to, for your family, you take it to the cottage on the weekend, then that goes beyond just doing the work, which means... That, that vehicle should be included as part of the severance or the use of the vehicle right. for a period of time should be included as part of the severance. So if it's directly tied to doing the job, no, it's not included. Anything that's a perk, anything that's otherwise of monetary value to you has to be included as part of the severance.
0: Help at employmenthour.com is the email. We'll get to one before we break here. Uh, Sandra writes in says, I've been given notice that my employment will terminate in three months. Can I get severance if I quit before that time?
1: Well, the the this is a very common situation uh, for employees that get advance notice. So remember, John, one of the ways employers can meet their severance obligations is actually by not paying severance and giving the equivalent amount of notice right. to the employee. So if, in fact, uh, this company gave her notice and if she quits before the end of that period, before her last day, then unfortunately she does not get severance. That, at that point, it becomes a resignation. So no, you don't get severance if you quit while you're, sh- while you're on notice, uh, and that means you can quit. Obviously, you're allowed to quit, but you're not going to get additional compensation. That said, I want everyone to understand that you may actually be owed more severance on top of the notice that you got. So if she got, let's say, three months notice, again, depending on her age, position, and length of employment, she should have maybe gotten eight months which means at the end of the three months of notice, the company may have to pay her the difference in money, in severance. So what I would propose to her is give me a call. Let's talk about what you actually may be owed at the end of it because you may want to stay there so that you can get the actual amount that's owed to you on top of that.
0: We'll take a uh, short pause, get to some more of your emails, and we'll talk about what are post-employment obligations, what are they, what that definition means as well. thats one is 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmenthour.com. It's the Employment Hour. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com to find out what your severance should be, the real number, the legit number, very simple tool called severancepaycalculator.com. Have a look at it. Try it while you're listening to the show. Takes about uh, 15, 20 seconds to go through the entire thing. Post employment obligations. Um, as far as obligations are concerned, what does an employee who leaves a job uh, have to their former employee?
1: So, generally speaking, John, obligations to your former uh, employer have to be created by way of an employment agreement. So, for most people, the law does not impose obligations on, on departing employees by way of just automatically happening. Those have to be created by way of an agreement. So if you sign an agreement that imposes certain obligations, we'll talk about what those could be, whether it's confidentiality, non-compete, etc. If we did, uh, if you did sign something like that, then those are all the obligations that you have. On the other hand, uh, if you didn't sign it, most people don't have obligations to their former employer. That said, there is a category of people over, over employees that are in a very senior position. We call those fiduciaries. If you're a fiduciary, you're in a very senior position. You may have automatic obligations, irrespective of what you signed, obligations to keep things confidential, uh, obligations not to unfairly compete with your previous employer. That only applies to very senior individuals. Otherwise, John, people, uh, people's obligations to their former employers have to be based in an employment agreement.
0: You know, a lot of people have a job where I made mean, media, for instance, where they, uh, they'll sign a document that says they cannot compete with their former employer, a non-compete, what they call uh, an obligation. Is it enforceable?
1: Well, yeah, a lot of people do sign non-competes and non-compete essentially says that if you leave us or we're letting you go, you can't sign anything. You can't, uh, uh, sorry, you can't uh, compete with us. You can't work for a, a company that works or does what we do for a period of time. So for a lot of people, that could be hugely problematic. If I'm let go, that means I can't work in this industry for two years or so. Well, you know, what what can I do? And that's a problem. So because it's such a big thing, the law says, and the courts have said, that for most people, a non-competition obligation is not enforceable. It's not enforceable because it prevents people from earning a living, and we simply, as a society, as a legal system, we don't like that. So for most people, John, their courts have said that unless you're in a very senior position, for most of us, a non-competition obligation is not enforceable.
0: I'm sensing a but on the other end of this.
1: <laughs> but... But, yeah. and, and here's this is where the, the money is, I think, quite uh, literally. Uh, what happens in the situation, it's not enforceable, but that's not really the question. The real question is, is your former employer going to try to enforce it? Because if your former employer is going to try to enforce it, they're going to sue you. They're going to take legal action against you and potentially against your new company, and they're going to make your life very miserable. And yes, ultimately, you may win that fight because it's not enforceable, But that could still take a long time and cost you a lot of money so because of that we cannot just ignore a non-competition obligation because if we do we may end up getting sued so my advice always when it comes to non-competition obligations is if you sign it you have to be prepared to live with it and if you can't live with it then you can't sign it you have to try to negotiate or look for another job but otherwise you you ignoring it you do so at your own risk Uh, If you did sign it, then you're going to leave the company. Then talk to the company. Try to reason with them. Hopefully the company will be reasonable and you're telling them, I'm not going to go after your customers. I'm not going to reveal your confidential information, but I want you to allow me to work wherever I want so that I can support my family. That's the best thing to do, but what you cannot do and should not do is just ignore a non-competition obligation.
0: 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com. The, uh, the companion sometimes to the non-compete is a non-solicitation obligation. Uh, what is it? Is it enforceable? So non-solicitation obligation is uh, a provision,
1: usually it comes in an employment agreement, That says that if you leave us or we're letting you go, you can't go after our customers and you can't go after other employees to convince them to leave with you. Uh, you know, you kind of gotta leave us alone essentially. Now, unlike a non competition obligation, a non solicitation obligation is usually enforceable. The court said, yeah, that's okay. If that's what you've agreed on, that's not, not a problem. So if you sign a non solicitation obligation and you decide to go work for a competitor, that's okay. But what you cannot do if that's what you agree to is to go after your former employer's clients or their customers, etc. You can't do that because if you did, you'd be in violation of the non-solicitation obligation and you could be subject to legal action. For most people, John, that's fine. For some people, that could be a problem. If I'm in a sales role and I have a book of business and book of clients, and I, I you know you let me go, I may say, okay, well, I want to now access my clients. But wait a second, if I sign a non-solicitation obligations, I may, I may not be able to do that, and I lose my book of business. So depending on your role, if you sign an employment agreement, you have to be very careful if there is a non-solicitation obligation because it may prevent you down the road from taking your clients, from taking your book of business, and essentially from earning a living. However, those, those clients can not come to you. That's a different story right when it comes to solicitation the question is who made the first move right did you go after that client or did they come to you if the client says well i i saw on uh, i don't know linkedin john that you now work for xyz inc and i like you a lot so i'm going to come i want to come work with you well that's okay because you didn't solicit the client The client heard about you and, and decided to take their business to you that's fine but there's a fine line there of course and and Uh, You still have to tread very carefully. You don't want your former employer to think that you went after their clients. But generally speaking, yes, if someone comes to you and you did not solicit them, that's fine.
0: One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 The number help at employmenthour.com. You haven't checked it out, check it out. SeverancePayCalculator.com as well. Take a short break. More coming up about post-employment obligations and your emails as well here on the Employment Hour. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. one 821 5900 is the number always to use. Have it on you at all time. Get a hold of your and a member of the team and help at employmenthour.com as well. You want to at your own discretion, you can do so. Talking about post-employment obligations after you've been let go. So how can uh, an employer on the other side now, how can an employer protect itself from being hurt by employers who leave?
1: Well, the best way to protect yourself is with a proper and comprehensive employment agreement. You want to have an employment agreement in place with new employees that says, says what happens if the employee leaves or if the employees let go. Whether And, and probably the big thing you want to include is confidentiality. You want to have an agreement in place or something in the agreement that says if the employee leaves, they can't uh, reveal your confidential information, anything that you do that's unique, that's not available in the public domain. You want to ensure that your clients are protected through a non-solicitation and potentially even use a non-competition obligation. So the only way, really, an employer can protect itself is by, by using an employment agreement. If you don't use an employment agreement, you're exposed. That means that the employee can essentially do whatever the employee wants uh, without any recourse for the employer.
0: So someone is about to accept a job and the contract has a non-competition obligation in there. Can this uh, be negotiated out or, or changed by uh, by the employer or with the employer anyway?
1: Well, if, if it's uh, edited uh, – sorry, if it's uh, something that it's in the agreement, uh, oftentimes you can negotiate it. And, and it really comes down to how reasonable you are and how reasonable the employer is. Uh, I, the way I approach a negotiation is to rather than say, this is crazy, this is unacceptable, how dare you – is to essentially say that I'm very excited about the job. I can't wait to start. I think I'm the right candidate. I just have a couple of concerns I wanted to raise. And then you can say, well, you know, there's this non-competition, and my concern here is, you know, is I've been working in this industry for 10 years, and if you decide to let me go and I can't work in this industry for, for a year or whatever it is, then it's going to be a big problem for me. So can we work on that? So in my experience, John, oftentimes you can negotiate these things And if you approach it the way I've just outlined, there's no downside in trying. Mm. So by negotiating, a lot of people think, well, am I going to lose the job offer? If you do it the way I've just said, you won't lose the job offer. Uh, The worst thing that will happen is that the company will simply say, we can't change it. it. It is what it is but you won't lose the offer. So, yes, you should negotiate, and often you're able to do it successfully.
0: You know, if you have any more questions outside of the uh, the show hour, no problem. 1-855-821-5900. Get a hold of your and the firm or help at employmenthour.com. That's the email, which I will get to now. Sebastian uh, writes in, says, I've been on disability leave for a year. I've just been cleared to return to work, but my employer says that they don't have a job for me and that I should contact them in a few months. What do I do? Well, John, uh, if uh, you're you've been
1: cleared to come back to work, and, and your doctor says you can come back to work, and there's no job for you, I understand that. But that means at that point you've been terminated, right. which means the company can has to pay you severance. The company can't say, "Well, I don't have a job for you today. Let's see what the, you know the next six months brings." At that point, no, you've been terminated. Now, of course, if the company says it doesn't have the job, but they don't really want to take you back because of your medical condition, that's a human rights violation. That's illegal. But assuming, giving the company the benefit of the doubt, that legitimately they don't have a position for you, well, the fact that they hope or maybe they'll have one in the future doesn't change the fact that that is a termination and they have to pay severance. So in that situation, no, you don't have to just sit home and wait and, and hope they'll call you back and they'll have, find yeah. a job. You can say to your employer, if you don't have a job for me, fine, then I'm, I'm terminated. Please pay me my full severance.
0: Mitch writes it as well, says my mother's boss is relocating the business and my mom will now have to drive an extra hour in the morning and afternoon, so two hours total added to her travel time. Uh, does she have to do this or are there any other options? Well, and an extra two hours a day is a big deal. It's a big change.
1: Because it's such a big change, it's a, the type of change that the company does not have the ability to do or to make unilaterally. So if if you've been uh, made to now to travel that much longer, in this case it's two hours, that's a constructive dismissal. You can treat that as a constructive dismissal, as a termination, and tell your employer, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and uh, because you've you've put me in that situation, I'm going to leave and get my severance. Now, if it was a, a much shorter uh, tr- a trip, if you know the difference was let's say I don't know 25 minutes, then that would not have absolutely been. Uh, significant enough to be a constructive dismissal. But if the company's relocated to the point that now you're you're commuting another you know, two hours a day, yeah, that's huge. That's a huge deal. That would be a constructive dismissal. So have your mom give me a call on that situation. Let me talk to her and, and we can discuss how we pursue this as a constructive dismissal.
0: If Mitch's mom really likes the gig though and figures, you know what, I, I, I like the peaceful time I have alone in the car. I know it's a long trip back and forth, but I'd like to take it for a spin, pardon the pun. Um, can she do that and then say, you know what, eh, it didn't work out? She can do that as long as she makes it clear that's what she's doing. Right. Uh, as long as she says,
1: I have big concerns, I'm not sure I can do this, it's too much. That said, I'm willing to try it. So I'm going to try it for the next few weeks and let's see if that's workable for me. As long as she says that, then yes, she can take it for a spin. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended again. <laughs> uh, and and if, if it doesn't work out for her, she can still pursue this as a constructive dismissal. What she doesn't want to do is make it seem like she's just accepted it. Yes, no problem. I'm doing it. And then uh, sometime later turn around and say, no, no, this is not acceptable. So if you're going to try a change out, yes, you can do that. You You only have a short window of doing that, usually a few weeks, but you have to tell your employer or you should tell your employer that that's what you're doing, that you have concerns, but you're willing to give it a shot. And if that doesn't work, severance has to be paid.
0: And the contact is the first place to start as we uh, wrap for another week. The number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 821 to get a hold of your member of his team. Use that number. Keep it on you. SeverancePayCalculator.com as well. That's a little bit of your own homework. Takes about 30 seconds to find out what a proper severance offer should be in your case. Really easy to use. There's also a contact button at the bottom of that. And, of course, help at EmploymentHour.com through email as well. Till next time, the Employment Hour right here. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML.